You know what else there is? The surgeries. Oh, my Tele surgeries. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that playing a couple rounds of Surgeon Simulator will make you ready to perform surgery, but there are probably more legitimate surgery simulator applications mm -hmm. that get utilized in a game-type sense to practice, you know, aside from practicing on a cadaver, right. actually practicing in a digital world. So, you know, you don't kill somebody while you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to Digitally Distracted. I am Game Dave. I'm Gerald. And today we're going to be talking about video game skills. But I'm not talking about getting headshots in Call of Duty. No, no. I'm talking about video game skills being interpreted and converted into real-world life skills. Maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe video games are bad for your real-world life skills. We might get into that later on. In That's today's fair. discussion, but uh, I was talking with a uh, friend of the show, a lot of friends of the show, a lot of uh, friends, Noptop, Noptop, and he was sort of. We were talking about the skills involved in video games. Uh, we were talking about uh, somebody he knew that thought video games were a waste of time mm. and that they were for lazy people. And there's common really misconception, common misconception uh, by idiots. Um, <laughs> That, uh, you know, they're just for lazy people and they just waste time. And there's no benefit to playing games. They are uh, strictly a time sink. Mm. Which I have something to say about that. Go ahead. Rest is underrated. Right? So rest is important. The body needs rest. Okay. Okay. It serves a purpose. Right. So video games, even if that's all they were just a mindless way to just either unwind or shut your brain off or relax or whatever. Even if that's all they were, mm -hmm. they would still have value. I agree. I agree. Because uh, de-stressors uh, keep you from dying. Absolutely. Did you know that? <laughs> Stress kills you a lot faster than most other things. Now, I think what they usually think of is maybe overindulging in games you know if you play it all day five days a week whatever but that can be said for anything anything yeah you know? i yeah i 100 agree uh going out to eat yeah every single meal yep you know a lot of people get stuck in that because the convenience factor right of course and there's so many options now mm -hmm. you know you don't really have to, and buying groceries is just a pain in the butt right <laughs> yeah uh the aspect of moderation does come up a lot. It's like, oh, anything's fine in moderation. I don't know. I think you can play games a little bit more than other things. I don't... I don't know. I don't think it has as many drawbacks as... For example, if you ate out more frequently than you probably should... Yeah, I'm going to get fatter. Right. Unless I'm making very specific choices. Right, exactly. And you're probably going to, your your budget's probably going to take a little bit of a hit because it's expensive to eat out. Yes. You know, yes. versus if you play video games a little bit more than you should, 
okay, then you're probably not spending your time maybe no. doing other things that you could. Maybe. Maybe. You're not spending as much money because you're probably just playing your games you already have more. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really see... It doesn't have as many negative impacts. Yeah, until it gets to that level of excess yes. to where it is infringing on your daily responsibilities mm-hmm. or your interactions with humans, mm-hmm. you know, where if if you're to the point where you are saying, and man, we just jumped into it because this is actually part of what I wanted to get into, which was the topic of, we'll just start with that because we're already into it, interactions with others. Mm-hmm how video games can positively or negatively affect mm-hmm. that. So right now we're talking about the negative. If you are uh, playing video games in excess to where, uh, say you are an adult, if you're a kid, whatever. Right. Go ahead. Go crazy. Kids out there. You're a friggin' kid. You're a kid. You're a friggin' kid. Don't beat do yourself it. up. Don't, Don't let anybody no. tell you. No, that's the job you know? of the bully to beat your. To exactly. Beat you up. Like, Don't like, beat yourself up. No, 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 no. The bully you, do you do you. This is your time. Yes. Now, when you're an adult and you have adult responsibilities, mm-hmm. when the excess of video game playing does hinder those responsibilities from being taken care of, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. But you can still play a lot of video games mm-hmm. and still get stuff done. Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. We, I, I always bring this up when it comes to, to the older generation. Golfing being the pastime mm-hmm. of the retired folk. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like to golf in their spare time. And golfing takes... A heck of a lot of time Mm -hmm. because even if you've got the souped up golf cart, Mm -hmm. 18 holes of golf, I mean, that's like a day, right? Mm -hmm. That's like an all day affair. It can be. You know what I realized? Go ahead. What golfing is. What is golfing? And I didn't realize this until. Let's define golfing with Gerald. Golfing isn't always about golf. Oh, about the about the hangout? Yeah. About the conversation? Golfing is an excuse to get away for the day. About shooting the stuff? Yep. Drink some beers. Excuse to get away. Yep. Guess what? Video games can be the same thing. Exactly. And I can golf in video games all day, and I don't have to go outside and get sunburned. <laughs> or wear the floppy pants mm-hmm. that they prefer when you golf. But, you know, you can spend a lot of time golfing. I mean, I've never done an 18-hole golf course. I've only gone to the driving range once. And by go to the driving range, I mean in college... Game day of college life story. Uh, <laughs> my fellow hallmates and I, um, they're like, hey, we're going to wait till midnight and we're going to drive over to the driving range. And we're just going to, we went, we had gone to the thrift store and we grabbed like some driver golf clubs because there's always golf clubs at right. the thrift store. And uh, we each got one. And then at midnight, it was after midnight, we drove to this hot, hoity toity, expensive uh, golf club driving range. Which, you know, it's not like lo- the driving range doesn't get locked right, up. Right, right, right. Just like an open field or whatever. Yeah, sort of an open field, and then it connects into the golf course. So we drove up, we parked, and uh, we got our clubs out. Couldn't see anything. We had, like, flashlights out because we didn't have smartphones. Right. You know, I went to college before smartphones. Uh, Old man. At least the early age of smartphones. Uh, so we are like, got our flashlights out. And uh, I didn't, but the other buddies, they went down and jumped the fences and with buckets and would throw golf balls into the buckets from the driving range, uh-huh. and then we'd come back up, and we'd put the buckets down, and we just drove golf balls for like a half an hour, and then we'd run out, and we'd go down, fill the buckets up. Right, and right. Free driving range time. Look at that. Is that legal? That's illegal. That was probably illegal. That's probably illegal. It's probably illegal. 
But hey, I didn't jump the fence. I just drove the balls back where they belonged over the So fence. you were helping. You were helping trying to make things right. put things back from mm-hmm. their thievery. Maintaining the balance. So if anything, I was the the uh, Jesus character. Yeah, in that, in that you event. would have been the Jesus character. <laughs> <laughs> I was the Superman to that uh, to their Joker <laughs> in their madness. Uh, that's the only golfing experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And there were many a missed ball mm. um, swinging wildly. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the technique or form. Mm-hmm. Okay, NES Open Tournament Golf did not train me well enough for okay. that, sadly. But excess excess if the only interactions you're having with other people are through you know multiplayer online games and it's it can be very uh tumultuous Mm -hmm. to use a big word to make Mm -hmm. me feel smart or negative a lot of times where it's you're playing against other people and you're yelling at other people Mm -hmm. you know i think emotionally that can kind of that could maybe affect you yeah that could wear you down if that's all you're doing just like with anything having a varied life yeah where you, you do you know experience a lot of things um, find the things that you like the most, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously focus on those things, but mm-hmm. don't make them all all of what your life is about. Right. Because I love video games, but my entire life is not dedicated to That's video true. games. That's true. That's a true statement. When you start dedicating your life to one thing, mm-hmm. then your life sort of disappears and it, mm. be- it becomes lost in that thing instead of being a part of you. Right. It becomes all of you, and you get lost in it, and who you are kind of can disappear. Mm-hmm. Because then you're being defined by, oh, that that's the guy that plays Super Mario Brothers. That's all he is now. Mm-hmm. Or she. Like, that's not that's not what you want to be. Right. So it can be negative. There are some negatives to gaming, of course. But I'm talking about skills that you might get. So social skills can occur because of the gaming hobby. Obviously, I have interacted with a lot of people I never would have met or mm-hmm. interacted with if it wasn't for the YouTube channel right. and and the online video stuff that I do with video games and the Game Dave channel. So there is that. Mm-hmm. There is that benefit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are people in MMOs. I mean, how many stories are there of massively multiplayer online games where people have basically developed true friendships and relationships with people that they were in guilds with in MMOs. I love those stories. It's awesome. I love those stories. And, you know, the outside mainstream worldview people might say, oh, that's they got married in a video game, or like they may see those interactions as weird. I remember the first time a friend I met on the internet came and visited me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of my relatives, my aunt, was like, are you sure about that? That I don't know about that. That seems weird. That mm-hmm. seems wrong. I'm like, it's just people. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not an idiot. Right, right, you know? right. And it is one of my closest friends to this day. Yeah. So there's that now, I think that's that stigma's slowly being worn down with the MMO community yeah. and and the inter- and those online interactions. Exactly. For sure. Uh they still exist. Yes. Um, but but yeah. And 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 as the generation that accepts those relationships, so the actual players, mm-hmm. gets older, they will continue to be accepted and, and you know, more and more accepting. Yeah. You know? Um, if you grew up with it as a norm. Exactly. Then you'll pass it on as a yeah, norm. Like how playing video games as an adult is very normal now. Oh, yeah. And most games, I feel like the majority of video games now are geared towards adults. It's true. Not just because adults grew up with games the adults now grew up with games but the fact that there's also the aspect of 
when you make a piece of entertainment mm -hmm. and you gear it towards kids, kids think it's lame. Mm. Entertainment that's geared towards adults, kids still find cool. Interesting. So, like when you go back to some of the the old 80s TV shows that do stand up still, mm -hmm. they weren't dumbed down. They mm. weren't made for kids. Interesting. So they lived on in a different way. I was uh, watching some videos about the old... Um, some of the old animated series, like Batman the Animated Series, which is an amazing oh, so show. So good. Like, that is not a kiddie show. So. Anybody can get something out of it. Good. The X-Men Animated Series, the old mm -hmm. original X-Men Animated Series, had this constant through line. It talked about some very intense topics. It wasn't goofy and kiddie. And I think kids latch on to things that are geared towards adults because they want they don't want to be talked down to. Right. Kids don't want to be, like, have things dumbed down. They want to be presented real things and real experiences. Right. Because then they can feel like their thoughts and opinions can matter in an adult world. Right. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, I'm not saying you should kill childhood, childlike wonder no, 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 and, no, no. and fun and, and the goofiness that can come along with, you know. There's TV shows I loved as a kid that if I were to watch them now, I'd be like, oh, wow, that's pretty bad. That is pretty right. bad. But, you know, right. it gets you through some of the tough times yeah. as a kid. But with the skills... You know, the waste of time aspect of video games. Oh, it's a waste of time. You're not going to get anything out of it. My first one, the, the thing that I think I gained the most from playing video games, and specifically role-playing games, mm. is my English and reading ability. Interesting. Like, I think I am a significantly better reader and speaker and writer because of video games, and specifically RPGs. Despite the sometimes funky translations mm. out there, I think there's so much text-heavy interaction in right. those games. The pre-voice acting era, mm -hmm. you know, the RPGs I grew up with didn't have voice acting until much later. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Final Fantasy X was the first Final Fantasy game with with like full voice acting that mm. I experienced. Right. You know, I had to read these games, and if you were to condense the script to a hundred-hour RPG into a book. Like, I was probably reading way more than I would have by checking a book out at the library. Right. And it was something I was intrigued in. So reading and writing and speech, I think, was more important to me because of role-playing games. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I was an A student when it came to English and right. language arts. Like, that was my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And I think that also lent well to my, my speak public speaking ability. Mm -hmm. Because, in a way, not only am I just reading... It's also performing in a way, like right. the way that you're reading an RPG script or dialogue, interactions of these characters. You, like I talk about naming my main character. I always like to name the main character. I take on that role. Yeah. So in a way, I'm performing and interacting with these characters as I read the script right. of what's being said to me or vice versa. And I really do think I would not be as, as well-versed in English hmm. in the language or would it not have done as well in college and high school if it wasn't for RPGs when it comes to reading and writing? Because mm -hmm. I was like, I was into books maybe until middle school. I think by like sixth grade, I was pretty much, I didn't go to the library. I didn't like to read. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I didn't like to read because I was bad at reading. It just didn't interest me. Right. Uh, but video games, I was reading probably way more than I ever would have if I had maintained that interest in reading. Um, but kids... Keep reading. If you're watching, don't stop reading because Game Dave said he didn't read. Right. <laughs> I just wasn't into books sure. the same way. Sure. I mean, I, at the end of the day, you were still reading. I was. You just know? Just in a different format. Exactly. 
And I think it was fine because it was still I was still getting a lot of not you know fiction, mm-hmm. still getting a lot of fiction through that. And then you know strategy guides, mm-hmm. like I was still getting books. I mean, I talked about that story of uh, when I met my buddy Stephen. Mm-hmm. I met him in English class, reading reading strategy guides. Yep. I had a Final Fantasy seven stra- strategy guide. He had the Final Fantasy eight strategy guide, and we made a connection there. And you know I would read guides all the time. So in a way, I was getting nonfiction you know, literary text as well, mm-hmm. despite only, you know, doing the majority of my reading in video games. Right. So that's probably my biggest, I think, benefit. And I think any, I think kids can benefit heavily from playing role-playing games that mm. are text-heavy. Nowadays, maybe not as much, unless you got the subtitles turned on, because mm-hmm. a lot of modern open-world RPGs have complete voice acting in them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still like games that don't have voice acting. I like the idea of uh, letting your imagination determine sort of what those characters might sound like. Like mm. when I played the old Final Fantasy games, like trying to imagine what Cloud would have sounded like before Cloud got a voice actor in the later interpretations of FF7 mm-hmm. and, uh, and and things like Kingdom Hearts that lended voices to characters that otherwise didn't. Like Vivi, the Black Mage, like what would Vivi sound like mm-hmm. in your imagination? You sort of build it, even if it's uh, you know subconsciously, you you tie this sort of what you think they would sound like in your head. Right. So I think you're also, like, your mind works in such a different way when you're playing a video game than when you watch a movie or listen to music. Right. So what are your, what skills do you think you've gained, maybe, or people can gain by just playing video games? Let's give them some, some more reasons to keep playing video games. Because that, that's mine. Reading, I think, is, is major, huge. Especially when it comes to, like, the PS1 era RPGs. Mm-hmm. Just the text-heavy RPGs and the reading even text adventures, mm-hmm. you know, point-and-click adventures, uh, a lot of reading mm-hmm. that otherwise a kid might not, uh, sort of tricking kids into reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think there's um, also with technology, the way that it's evolving and growing, um, you know, we're getting a lot of um, unmanned technology. Yes, yeah, the drones and the everything. The drones and things where yeah. you use... You know, controllers to con- to control these, um, you know, incredibly sophisticated, you know, devices. Yeah, and not even just like, and not just war based no, no, military no, 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 stuff. No, no. There's tons of. There's absolutely yeah but- non combative technologies mm-hmm. that involve those sort of uh, remote uh, controlled exactly users exactly yeah, and that you know you figure that these are these are the the people operating these devices have been training for years unknowingly unknowingly yeah you know those fine motor skills um it's the the camera work it's just you know and and that's just going to get more and more common as the technology proliferates and gets out there Mm -hmm. um and you know i think there's going to be more and more opportunities because there's the the talent pool is out there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not something that's only a few very specific, you know, people have. Like a lot of people play video games, a lot of people are comfortable holding a controller, you know. Um so yeah, I think that that's a big one that I've recognized. And that's that's like a, a career, you know, not just in the military, but in the uh, civilian uh, side of things as well, where 
those sort of like uh, unmanned vehicles, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you can make that your career, like you know, and that just that blows my mind that you could be making like a really good living doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, with with filmmaking especially. The, the old days of filmmaking, when you got aerial shots, mm-hmm. an aerial shot was oftentimes a freaking dude with a camera on his shoulder in a helicopter. Yep. You know, getting these insane shots. Now with the the sort of uh, the shrinking and microscopifying of every piece of technology, right. you have these insane drones that mm-hmm. can just go anywhere and and just do these super stable movements mm-hmm. with these super tiny cameras that can produce insane HD footage. Yep. And they're all manned by an RC transmitter. Exactly. And yeah, the controller thing that's exactly what I thought of when you talk you say it makes me go back to the NES era where people were still trying to figure out how controllers mm. should be held. Right. Cuz you think I remember people that would put NES controllers down and play them. Yes. Yeah, and play them like an arcade stick. Yeah. Because you didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's not like you would get an NES game and the manual, I don't, as far as I know, the NES manual did not show you how to hold the controller. Right. It was just, here's the controller, I'm going to have arrows. This is start, this is select, this is your action button, right, right, this is right. your action this is the, the directional pad. You... It didn't say, all right, you hold your thumbs on the front and you hold it over the top like this or however. Mm -hmm. And there's people who hold NES controllers differently than I do still to this day. Mm -hmm. But it's funny to think that we're still even that early figuring out how controls work. And now controllers have become so advanced and so sophisticated. Mm -hmm. We have analog thumbsticks and Mm -hmm. shoulder buttons became a thing. And and having all these extra face buttons and touch pads on the the PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. Or even... The going to the Wii U, having a touch screen on the controller of the yep. Switch, you know, which then led leads to smartphones and the way that those games and, and apps can be interacted with with touch. Mm-hmm. Though I still feel like a haptic, uh, an actual physical touch controller is the best way. Right. Um, but yeah, really, the you think a PS4 controller really converts well to a legit like RC transmitter controller. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you might not have the the tactical uh, tactile feel, not tactical tactical. <laughs> now we're getting into the military, but that tactile feel that a touchscreen would have, right, is pretty interesting. Now I've talked about before that I am a teacher and I do teach computers to elementary school students, mm-hmm. and that's something that I do get uh, worried about. Where tablets, because you would think. You give a kid an NES controller nowadays, they'll be fine. Right. Not all of them. Hmm. Yes, some kids have PS4s and, and and Xboxes, so they may be used to an Xbox or PlayStation controller, but the majority of gaming for the younger generation is done on tablets. And their first experiences with computers, from my, what I've seen as I've been doing this year after year after year, more and more kids' only experience with a computer is a tablet. Hmm. So a lot of times they'll see a tablet as, oh, that's what a computer is. Interesting. So when they come to me, we use desktops Mm -hmm. and a mouse and a keyboard. And it's a foreign concept to them? The mouse is a very foreign concept. Wow. A lot of times, uh, and I, which is even doubly annoying when I'm teaching because I use a smart board. Mm Mm-hmm. 
which is a you know an interactive. It's basically a giant touchpad mouse mm-hmm. that I touch on. So if I'm showing them how to use a digital paint program, and I say, well, what you need to do is come over and uh, go ahead and click on the eraser. Mm-hmm. But I touch it on my smart board because I'm not going to go up there with a mouse. Right. When I do that, there are students in the early grades who will tap their mo- they'll go up and try to touch their yeah, monitor yeah. because touchscreen uh, interactivity is so ingrained in their mind. It's really intuitive. And it takes a long time to get certain students used to using a mouse mm-hmm. with a right and left click and a mm-hmm. scroll wheel. Yeah. So many kids will come in and they will push on the scroll wheel as if that's the click. Get that's the out. button because it's because it's, it's raised it's and yep. raised and it's like oh no that is a button that's yeah, what and, a button looks like the not... mouse yeah the mouse like you you don't really i guess see anymore the buttons no the, it's not cut out the yeah. same way especially because every mouse nowadays pretty much has a scroll wheel mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. whereas when we were growing up a computer mouse was literally aside from mac which was nothing mm-hmm. that was the smoothest mm-hmm. the smoothest but you know we we were pc people mm-hmm. as far as i know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be a mouse that would have the two cut out left and right clicks so you could see that they yeah. were buttons in in pressing in and they were cut out to the back yep. whereas a a more current mouse it's fl- smooth all the way forward. Yep. Aside from that. And I have to explain, no, the, you have to press this flat piece. I know it looks just like it's smooth, so I have to turn on its side and show that it pushes in. Right. Because it just looks like a flat piece of plastic. Yep. No, that's a button. That's a button. That's right. so frustrating. Oh, I believe it. Stop clicking the scroll wheel, <laughs> kids. So, yeah, gaming can help with that. <laughs> right. Because you get that tactile interaction with a controller. Sure. That's great. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the fine motor skills, mm-hmm. of course, twitch reflexes. Yeah. And another big one, this one I noticed the most when I was doing pop plays with Harold, my grandfather, is... Game Harold. Game Harold. His reaction time, which, of course, you lose reaction time as you get older. Sure. But I would, I would wonder if he was a gamer for some reason. If he was a gamer. If it would have been a little bit more resilient? Yeah, if he would have hmm. held on to that reaction time. You know, that'll be interesting... To see yeah. in when we, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah, when we turn 80, 85, mm-hmm. will we have, will we have maintained more reaction time yeah. than elderly people now who didn't grow up with it games? will still have, you know, degenerated. But, of course. Just but will it arthritis have... Arthritis and so on Yeah, and so lingered, you know, yeah. and hung on a little bit. That's, yeah, yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah, to see those twitch reflexes and the reaction time, to see how that is maintained. If there's benefits to, if my grandfather, when he turned 30 had played an hour of Twitch Reflex uh, and Reaction Time-based video games, or even mm-hmm. QuickTime mm-hmm. event video games, once a day for an hour, mm-hmm. up until he was he turned 85. Right. Would he have more reaction time? Would he right. have better? Would he have less arthritis in his hands right. because of the way they were used? Mm-hmm. I don't know what causes arthritis. It's genetic. I right. know that's part of it. But right. would working your fingers make it worse or better? I wonder. You know, would you be more arthritic because you played so many video games? Because mm-hmm. obviously there is a limit. But sure. Just like anything, it's a muscle. You work it, it gets stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just thinking too, those other applications, um, like in the sciences and mm-hmm. exploration, whether it's Mars or whether it's... Um, yeah, there you go, right there, controlling the old Mars rover. Exactly. Yeah, remotely. You know, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. I could definitely see space, because a lot of things you do in... in in being uh you know the field of an astronaut it, it feels a lot like a real world video game right like some of that stuff is so insane right right you know it's almost like a it, it is like a real world amusement park 
some of the things that they do. Right. When they do like the G-force testing and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. You know what else there is? The surgeries. Oh, my Tele-surgeries. gosh. surgeries. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that playing a couple rounds of Surgeon Simulator will make you ready to perform surgery, but there are probably more legitimate surgery simulator applications mm-hmm. that get utilized in a game type sense to practice you know aside from practicing on a cadaver right actually practicing in a digital world so you know you don't kill somebody while you're learning yeah yeah that's me especially um uh, i went to a tech school mm-hmm. um local tech school so my vocation of course was film production tv and radio and there was an rotc mm-hmm ROTC military sort of uh, focused one with it with a uh, a heavy focus on Air Force because this is Delaware. Yeah, it was sort of like Air Force sanctioned or like that was their sort of focus. Yeah, in a way because a lot of connections with the Air Force base, which is in Delaware here, and they had a. I remember the only because the way it would work as a freshman, you didn't get assigned a shop. You didn't get your tech mm. vocation assigned as a freshman. That's probably a good idea. So you would do career pathways where you would go through two-week rotations. So for the entire semester, every two weeks, you would try each shop. Mm-hmm. So you do two weeks in cosmetology. You would do two weeks in medical assisting, two weeks in dental, two weeks in TV radio, mm-hmm. two weeks in electronics, two weeks in masonry, auto body, auto tech. Mm-hmm. And you would also do two weeks of visual communications. And it was more like they would just give you a preliminary sort of overview of what the shop is like. You might do one project to kind of see if it's something you're interested in to help you instead of just thinking, oh, I want to do auto body because I like working on cars. Experience it for two weeks and see if like, oh, I actually hate this. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I hate taking dents out of cars Mm -hmm. all day. And then it helps you better see. I actually found out I really liked, surprisingly, I really liked working on hair and cosmetology. I want to do that, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. And- I remember in ROTC, the most excited I was was when we got to look at the flight simulator. I was like, this is a freaking video. This is Afterburner. Right, 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 right. POV Afterburner. So you'd get in the flight simulator machine and you would do the flight. and mm-hmm. It was crazy. So there you go, life skills right there. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to bring up Matthew Broderick. Right. War games. Right. That was him, right? Yeah, that was him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> video games in real life. I mean, that's sort of the way things could go with technology. Mm-hmm. Anyway crazy we're going to continue this after a game break already yes wow all right yes the the bone hunting knife is back but for this game break it is not fan mail this time this is not fan mail unfortunately the fan mail p.o box was empty Hmm. the last time i checked it but if you want to send something into the show for us to unbox live you can do that you can send it to game dave or you can send it to gerald or digitally distracted at the address P.O. Box 1695, Dover, Delaware, 19903. And we will open it on the show. Every piece of mail that's been sent since we started the show has been opened on the show. Mm-hmm. So if you want to you know, send something in, whatever, feel free, snail mail it. But I wanted to open this on camera. This is something I ordered. This is Game Dave's own mail. This oh, wow. Is personal mail. This is straight from Japan, something I ordered about a month ago. It finally showed up because hmm. that's how it works when you order on Japan and don't pay for the expedited shipping. Right. Yeah, this is, oh, I might not need the knife. Look at that. This is a, a game I've wanted for a very long time. And recently, eBay's been doing, uh, this is from eBay. eBay's been doing their weird, like, 20% off anything mm. on eBay for, like, six hours. And a lot of times I have things on my watch list that I've been waiting for. I was like, ah, I don't want to... Qu- 
quite pay that price for it. Mm-hmm. I had some eBay bucks. The 20% coupon showed up. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. This is a game I've wanted for years and years and years. Wow. Um, it's it's means a lot to me, this game. I've only played it a little bit in an emulator. Hmm. Um, but it is, you'll see why in a minute, why this is such an important game to me and why it's not already in my collection. It was a Japanese exclusive for the Japanese Super Nintendo, the Super Famicom, possibly a game I'll look at on Super Famicom Corner if and when that happens. Uh, I had to have a box copy. So when it comes to a game that means this much, I have to have a box copy. Here's the problem, Gerald. One, somewhat rare. Two, very expensive game. Very expensive game. So when that discount happened, I was all in. I've asked uh, my Japanese buddies out there to keep an eye out for this game. And those uh, who live in Japan that know me, um, they've had very little luck finding it, at least at a decent price. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just had to jump on it. Had to jump on it. So here we are. Oh, look at that. So here's one of the cool things about ordering things from Japan. They have the coolest shipping box. That is so cool. Because you would think it would just be sitting in there. That's what I was right? expecting. Nope. So it looks like and a lot of times when I order things from a, a Japanese eBay seller, uh, there's only about five or six eBay sellers on Jap- uh, from Japan that I use because mm-hmm. they're trusted and uh, I'm just used to using them. I've interacted with them. I've emailed them before. I'm like, hey, if I get all these together, can we do like some discount situation? And usually, usually they oblige. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things about ordering things from Japanese eBay sellers, they always put some weird thing in there. Sometimes I'll get a Dragon Ball Z trading card. Yeah. Or uh, I've gotten um, green tea, Japanese green tea uh, bags sent to me before, or little cool notes. Or or one time I've been sent uh, a Japanese rail passes just so I can see what they look like, things like that. Yeah, no, that's been my experience too, um, where they just they put something a little extra in there. Yeah. And it just makes it nice. Yeah. They're just trying to. It's just all a scam. They but, just want us to order again. But but listen, <laughs> it works. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because I put them. I was like, oh, favorite seller. That was kind of cute. That's cute. And I also also noticed that the the Japanese really take care of their games better than we do. Well, I feel like they're they're always in better condition. Like they'll mark something as acceptable condition, mm-hmm. and it gets here. I'm like, what? Do you, this would be like new here. Right. But yeah, it looks like there's something extra in here aside from just the the very unique packaging. Is this box specifically made for a Super Famicom game? Man, it looks just... like it. So it, <laughs> it appears that they've included something to help maintain the quality of the game. I'm sure you can see it right there, mm-hmm. Gerald. But we'll get to that. Um, what is this? How is this se- hermetically sealed? Come on now. The plastic is harder than the box to get into. There we go. Didn't need the bone hunting knife for this plastic. Here we go. We're in. So first we have a little note here. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. Oh, yeah. Look like at this? Before listing the game software, I have wiped all the terminals of the cartridge and checked their motion. What? <laughs> oh, oh, translations. Right. However, the terminals got dirty immediately because it is a secondhand item. The cotton swab is attached for cleaning the terminal as a special offer. <laughs> oh, God bless you. For the special offer of a Q-tip. Hopefully that's name brand. (laughs) Right. If the game does not start well, please try to clean the terminals with this swab. (laughs) I'm sure it's going to be fine. (laughs) Not a a tough clean. That is funny. I have wiped all the terminals of the cartridge and checked their motion. This is probably what they put in every game they sell. But maybe, but... 
That is very specific. Yeah. The terminals got dirty immediately because it is a secondhand item. After you cleaned it, they immediately got dirty. <laughs> oh, it. they tried. Let's put that there. That's fun. So we've got a nice little box here. Let's open this. Uh, that might need a knife. The old bone knife. It's never that far away. It's always a grab away. Okay. Any guesses, Gerald, on what might be inside? no idea. Super Nintendo, something that would mean a lot to me, that I would have to have. Hmm. No, it's not Final Fantasy related. But uh, you haven't played a lot of it? No. You're only on no, an emulator? I wanted to play it legit. I've only played a taste of it on an emulator, because I wanted to wait. You ready? I'm ready. Oh! So this is an exclusive, exclusive Japanese Super Famicom release. Super Back to the Future 2. Wow. Yeah. Very unique game. Probably the best Back to the Future game ever made. Wow. And we never got it. There is no Super Back to the Future 1 or 3 either. So Just... is that like a side-scroller? What has that? Yeah, so this is a side-scrolling, platforming action game. And you are on... You can take a look at that, Gerald. You're on a hoverboard the entire time uh, for the, <laughs> the majority of the game as Marty McFly mm -hmm. picks up... At the beginning of Back to the Future 2, um, you fight bosses, you fight Griff, the future Biff. I, I see that. Grandson, and mm -hmm. um, it's just a really cool action platformer. Yeah. Where you're on the, the, and it has this cool chibi style. That is cool. Yeah, and a box copy. Looks like pretty good condition. It uh, does. I didn't expect it to be amazing, but let's, yep, smells like Japan. Actually, it has no smell at all. Let's see. I'm curious how dirty. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's, uh, contacts let's crack are. that open. It should have the, Manual as well, oh, which man, is excellent. Just, is there anything else in there? That's a beautiful, beautiful sight. That there. is a that is a beauty. That is a beauty. Yep. Super Back to the Future, two. Super cool. I love the art style. That uh, that is that is heavy. Yeah, this is a game. <laughs> Great Scott. I've had I've I've had this on my wish list for a while. It's just one that I was like I can't justify. Usually you'll see it about one forty to one fifty box, mm -hmm. about one hundred fifty dollars box for like okay condition. Mm -hmm. This is probably the best condition I've seen. Of it boxed mm -hmm. at the price I got. I did not pay $150. I would not have paid $150. Did I pay three digits for it? Maybe. The cartridge is not even yellowed. A lot of times these Super Famicom games will be yellow. You can see some back there. Oh, those are pretty clean, though. I'm very picky about when I'll buy. Oh, the label is pristine. All we got is a little bit of uh, Sharpie. Mm -hmm. Somebody wrote uh, their, probably their name in Japanese. That'll come right off. Yeah. That'll come right off with a little alcohol. Little uh, crystal head vodka, I'll take that right off. <laughs> I would love to do some sort of retrospective, um, maybe about my favorite games or my favorite movies as games. Yes. Where I look at look at games based on my favorite movies, mm -hmm. which would be Ghostbusters, Back right. to the Future, and Beetlejuice, all of which have had a game in some aspect. And maybe talk about some of those. Right. That'd be kind of fun to do. Yeah. So there's one more little piece here from the seller. Thank you very much for your purchase this time. I'm very happy to send you the item from far away Japan. Mm. I'm going to sell more wonderful Japanese products. It would appreciate it if you could take a look at them. Please contact me if you have any problems or question with the item you received. Thank you very much. Kazuki Kuno. Got a nice cool little drawing of Gojira. Godzilla. And then I assume that's him in Japan right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is cool. I like it when it's personalized. Yeah. 
Thank you very much, seller. You're going to be going on my saved sellers list. This is not somebody I normally purchase from, mm-hmm. but you've made the list. You've made that the, is cool. The Game Dave import approved look seller list. I'm a sucker for good customer service and just little things like that. A man. service, a service sucker, yep. you might say. Uh, service sucker. He's a service sucker. A sucker for service. Let's get super back to our topic. Okay. To finish out, we've only got a little bit of time left. Um, we were talking about the skills. We we sort of left off talking about the twitch reflexes yes. and control handling a controller well, reaction time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're basically going to do a test where we're going to play an hour of twitch reflex based games every day until we turn eighty five and right. compare it to Harold. Yeah. Uh, from Pop Plays, yeah, see how he does. I think it's smart. It's for science. <laughs> it's for science. It's for science. Now, we have to look at both sides of the coin. We can't be biased. Okay. So I think reading skills, major. Um, Twitch reflexes and reaction times, I think, benefit heavily from being a gamer that's consistent. Because uh, there's a lot of things, even in a game like Mario Kart, there's a lot of quick reactions yeah. that you have to do. Yeah. And it's that thing of train your game, train your brain. Mm-hmm. If you're not practicing those skills, even if it isn't a video game, mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that could translate into the real world. And before we get to the negatives, even something like sports games, mm. maybe, maybe you're a kid that isn't into sports, but you like sports games. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't know all the rules for baseball. You play a game on the Super Nintendo, a baseball game, mm-hmm. you learn all those rules. All the stats. You learn the stat. Yeah, if you're playing the most recent game, you're learning about these players without mm-hmm. watching the games. Mm-hmm. Knowledge base. Like, you might be able to build your knowledge base in game because of a game in something that lives outside of it. Right. You might be like, oh, now if I play baseball with my friends at school, I'll know what's going on because I played a baseball video game at home. Right. Um, another aspect of learning things, you know, games that take place in a historical time mm. might give you references to things. I know, say what you will about Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd learn a little bit about the era. Uh, God of War, you learned all about le- legitimate mythology, right? Is that how that works? God of War <laughs> teaches true mythology. You'll learn the names of Right, those. you'll learn the names. That's you'll fair. You'll learn the names. That's fair. <laughs> um, but th- there are games based on mythological stories and things like that that, that might, you know help you learn about some historical stuff you mm-hmm. might not otherwise mm-hmm. have learned about, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. Memory. I think your memory, there's a lot of games that might help uh, strengthen your memory Sure. in gaming. Puzzle games, mm-hmm. of course, I think are very good for the memory. Mm-hmm. You know, they say that uh, people who are struggling with uh, dementia mm. and Alzheimer's, that playing brain uh, brain games can help a lot. Interesting. So I feel like video games could be part of that. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Yeah, train train your brain, train your brain. I know there's a lot, there used to be a lot of advertisements for these these websites that helped sort of help with your focus and yes. your memory. Yes, Remember those yep. advertisements were like, it's like you're helping your brain, yep. but they're just games. Right. It's like, yeah, that's been around before. They're called video games, dummy. They've been around forever. Right. <laughs> okay, yep. just play some video games that involve critical thinking. And you'll probably be fine. Mm-hmm. That's another thing with RPGs, like figuring out weird puzzles or or Zelda games, on solving the puzzles of dungeons. Like that really can work your brain. Yeah. And you can't say that's not going to build build things in your brain that right. are going to last a lifetime to help you, you know, just with your memory in general. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, yes, video games help develop skills that can be used in your everyday life and possibly extend your life. 
People who Give play that. video games might live longer. Might live longer. This is based on no scientific evidence of my own, just based on my own conjecture uh -huh. with Gerald here, and uh, I think it's pretty definitive. I would agree with that. You will live longer if you play video games, period. Fact. Fact. Hashtag fact. <laughs> Hashtag touch your roots. <laughs> Gaming negatives, though. We have to talk to the other side of the coin, like I mentioned. And uh, what do you think might be some of the negatives of of video games? Are there things that might be damaged or hurt by um, playing games? Maybe ruin some of your skills? I think it's a possibility, and I don't, I don't know what the science has said about this. I think there's some justification for it, but... I think it could potentially damage your eyesight. Um, we talked about that yeah. a little bit. Did, was that just proven? It said that there, there seemed to be no significant change. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> uh, in terms of... That's from our first episode. Yeah. You know what they say about you're supposed to look away for so many minutes, uh, an hour, like something that's like further away? Like twenty feet away. Like I can understand maybe eye strain. That's, but I don't think that you your vision gets worse because you look at screens. I don't think it's so much the screen so as it is so much as the focus. The focus. So the fact that you're focusing so close for so long. Yes. Maybe. I don't think so, but I don't know. You decide, viewers, in the comments, who's right? Do screens damage your eyes? I no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's not what I'm saying. Say it, say it again so we can get the correct response. Right, I'm saying staying focused, staring um, at a certain depth. Could that be true for anything outside yes. of screens? Yes, yes, yeah. But but my point is, my point, that, that, and that's true. Okay. So, like, if you're, if you're reading for 12 hours a day, and the reason I say that much is because if you are doing your schoolwork or your work work for eight hours a day. Yet you will have headaches and eye strain. Right. And then you play video games when you get home for another four hours, for example. So it's consistent eye strain. Right, right, right. It's probably easier to have a consistent eye, eye strain due to a screen. Right, right. So between your mobile device, okay. video games, and your work slash schoolwork. Yeah. So you're looking at, a, you know, for 12 hours, 14 hours, whatever... Does that focusing on that same distance for that mm -hmm. long, does that affect the muscles around your eyes mm. that focus your eyes? Okay. Does it affect that? Maybe. That I could go with. Yeah. Okay. That that's what I'm that's I'm probably what I'm in of. agreement. Well, then that goes right into what I would say could be a negative. We talked about how, you know, reaction time and memory and a lot of those things are internal. They're not direct like muscles. Mm -hmm. Whereas the twitch reflexes. This got me thinking, um, you know, Carpal Tunnel. Mm -hmm. Big big deal with, uh, especially PC gaming. Mm. If you're PC gaming all the time, because the Carpal Tunnel is usually uh, caused by consistent, long-term, repetitive movements, right? Mm -hmm. Doing the same movement over and over and over again, which in working out is fine because you're doing larger muscles, but those small muscle groups doing the same like movements over and over and over again can cause the Carpal Tunnel, right? Mm -hmm. In your nerves or whatever. So I wonder... Can that sort of strain mm. would be that be a negative? Because mm. I've certainly played games to the point where my hands have been sore. Mm -hmm. You know, my wrists have been sore. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had wrist issues in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. I would like to think it's not gaming related. It's probably more related to hours and hours of editing videos with a mouse. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think about that? Like, I think can it's possible. That... I mean, did you did you ever have the Wii Remote tennis elbow or whatever they call that? Weenitis? Yeah, Weenitis. Weenitis, yes. Yes, but that's, again, just repetitive mm-hmm. movement, right? I probably would have had the same. I mean, it's tennis elbow is mm-hmm. an actual thing from real tennis. Right. So if anything, that just shows how well Wii Sports recreated mm-hmm. tennis. Not only does it feel like you're playing tennis, it also feels like you played tennis <laughs> after the negatives are also included. Yeah, I would get sore from playing the Wii, mm-hmm. for sure. Did you? You probably didn't play enough. I, I didn't play enough, no. no. Wii was not your console. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I, I didn't buy a Wii until much later mm-hmm. because, one, I was in college when it came out. And I I went to the midnight release of the Wii with my buddy, and he got one. We brought it back, and we immediately put it in, hooked it up, and played Wii Sports Tennis Mm -hmm. all night, Mm -hmm. all night. I think we hooked it up in his girlfriend's dorm, and we were like, this is amazing. And it was like, oh, we got to get out of here because we didn't have co-ed dorms, so we get to the other hall before the time changed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you weren't allowed up there because, you know, you might be kissing on things. So <laughs> played some Wii Sports Tennis. And I, I remember being fairly sore, but not much because we didn't get to play it that often because it wasn't mine. It was a hallmate's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parents had one when I would come back from college. My mom got a Wii mm-hmm. and she would play it. She would play Dr. Mario RX, mm. which was sort of an updated online version for the Wii, which was, you know, she loved Dr. Mario anyway. Sure. Uh, but I played a lot of Wii Sports um, on hers. And then when I eventually did get my own, I got the the red. I got the 25th anniversary red one, mm. Mario red one, which was, uh, you know, help the American Heart Association. Right. So it's I was important. all about it. Yeah. Because I, you know, white and black consoles. Everything's either, it's either a white console or a black console. Mostly black colored systems. I was like, I just want something different. Like, mm-hmm. I like the jungle green in 64. I like having the red Wii. Mm-hmm. You know, do some different, a little pop of color. Yeah. I mean, Super Nintendo had some purple in there. Yep. I don't know. Just, I don't like boring consoles. The PS4 Pro, I, I managed to get a glacier white one, because at least the white kind of stands out right. a little bit. But pretty much everything's just just big, just black boxes that sit on your your shelf. It's true. Give me a little color. Yeah. A little, little, little pop. A little pop. A little pop. So with that, I, I got pretty sore from the Wii. I don't think I did any damage mm-hmm. that I know of, but I don't know how much. What do you know a lot about tennis elbow? Because I don't. Um, I mean, I think it's just repetitive motion. You right. know, so it's, it's almost it's like carpal tunnel of the elbow. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what like the tendon or something is. Yeah, yeah. Because my wrist issue that I had was uh, uh the burst bursal sack. Oh, bursal that's right. Sack. I remember this story. Remember? We just talked about this. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's like some. It's in your joint, and it's this this sack, and I, it got pinched, and then mm. it filled with fluid, and I had this like weird bump on my wrist, and uh, I had, it had to be drained. Ew, mm. gross. I was like, man, hardcore gamer. Yep, right here. I right say, I'm legit. Sack. I'm legit. Filled my bursal sack up with fluid. That's <laughs> how you know I am a legit gamer. Yeah, I was playing a lot of games at that time. So it's possible, but I, I really think a lot of that came from editing. Mm. Um, luckily, has not happened again. Mm. So it's like a 50-50 chance that it can come back. Mine has not. It's been several years since I had that done. Mm-hmm. I, I get pain every once in a while in my wrist. Uh, like if I do a lot of push-ups, mm. like bending back, like the pressure yeah. from doing push-ups will give me pain in my wrist for like a day, mm. which sucks because I'm like, I would do push-ups all the time mm-hmm. if, I, if I didn't hurt my wrist. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Hear that? Hmm. I did. A little crack in there? Yeah, you might have just burst your bursal. Burst my bursal. On that note, let's go to the Q&A. <laughs> let's go to the Q&A. So video games, they definitely influence your life skills. I think reading 
is probably the most beneficial. Mm -hmm. But it also depends on what types of games you're playing. Like playing Call of Duty 24-7, I don't know. I don't know how much you're going to advance your your real-world life skills out of that, aside from maybe the Twitch reflexes and reaction time. I mean, it depends on, I don't know. Memorizing maps, I don't know. I mean, there is. I'm not trying to be a Call of Duty hater, but no, I am no, no, a Call but of Duty they hater. Are, they are talking about, um, as technology develops, um, the hardware associated on guns and um, scopes and things, how you can sort of put them um, around corners so the, the soldier's actually behind cover. And I, be I believe this is a thing. Um, and it's sort of like a remote um, triggering. Triggering, yeah. So you stand behind a wall. You know the enemies on the other side. Mm -hmm. So you have a gun that's like facing this mm -hmm. way, on like a <laughs> on like a serving tray, and, and, and you like put it out and then control well, it. Well, I think it's something opticals with the uh, with their helmets. It's somehow so then they can connected. see the view of it. Right. Like, I think I think that's a thing. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Right. I mean, it makes sense. Then I'm pretty having sure. To put yourself in line of fire to yeah. shoot. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Look at that. Dropping some knowledge on us that may or may not be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. So, yeah, it, it, let us know what you think in the comments uh, about video games developing life skills. I'm sure there's some some things that we haven't thought about or really training your your also physical skills in mm. the sense of those reflexes and, you know, reaction time and mm -hmm. things like that. So Q and A, we got a couple things, and by a couple things, I mean one question. One, because I felt like this was pretty relevant. It has to do with just sort of making gaming matter more in a way. Mm -hmm. This is from a blob mm. from Twitter at another blob. It's the full full name though. Hashtag digitally distracted. Smart. That's why I was able to find this. Do you think Nintendo Labo would work well in schools, Dave? Buying the parts separately on Nintendo's shop to have enough duplicates would probably be really expensive, but they also uploaded PDF files on their website to print them out yourself in case you'd like to make it with cardboard that's lying around. So that is this, uh, for those of you who don't know, Nintendo Labo was this sort of new creation that came out, very much geared towards kids, I think, mm. where it's these cardboard sheets that you can fold and basically create things around the Joy-Con controllers to interact with games in different ways. And it's a so, so, this basically development kit, so it's very much in that STEM sort of engineering mindset. And I could absolutely see this happening in schools. And you mentioned the whole cardboard refill thing and getting the PDFs directly from Nintendo. That's major because we go through so many boxes at the school. Like, there is cardboard every... Like, you can get cardboard all day, every day at a school. Because books being shipped in, uh, supplies coming in, yearbooks coming in. There's so many boxes that get just just pile up. Mm -hmm. Like, you could easily have a whole extracurricular activity, like an after-school class based around Nintendo Labo. H have you had any direct uh, experience or hands-on with Labo? I have not. I've seen the kits. Um, the one that intrigued me the most was the keyboard, mm. the piano one, where you basically create a working keyboard that connects with the Switch and allows you to basically create music and mm. compose music through it. Uh, I'm not sure what sort of range of, of depth you have. Like, is it, okay, so there's these five games, these are the things you can create that will interact with the software, I don't know how expansive it can get. Like, how 
deep can you get into it? I know there's some things. There's a newer one where it's a vehicle labo kit mm. where you can create steering wheel, cardboard steering wheels that will interact and utilize the Joy-Con and motion controls. Basically, you're building, from what I understand about Labo, you're building basic machinery mm -hmm. using cardboard and other small materials that is sort of formed around the Joy-Con controller system or the Switch itself to expand them into basically new ways to control the games mm -hmm. or the activities within the games. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're building this cardboard thing around them to make a piano. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of what I've seen. I, I'm sure you've seen them in stores yeah. or whatever. But yeah. There's another one where you basically make like a jet pack yeah. and you can like control it and like a robotic thing. Seems like it would go really hand in hand with VR. Mm -hmm. A lot of those experiences. I think there's another one where you're like uh, in like a submarine, like scubaing or diving through, uh, you know, sw uh, controlling some weird ship thing. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Obviously, not well versed in Labo, but I could absolutely see that being something that kids would get into. Though I've heard. Some of those kits can take hours hmm. to cut out properly and put together. So there is that level of the kids are just gonna wanna they're gonna want to start playing. Well, I don't know. Like if you do have a club, yeah, I a think, labo club, yeah. then I think you can do that sort of you can play the long game. Yeah, because if if it was a smaller group, I'd say I don't think it would work in the classroom at all. Because you'd have minimum twenty some kids. And, you you know, for me, my classes are 50 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It'd be very difficult. It would probably take us three classes just to build it. Mm -hmm. We would only have the one, mm -hmm. you know, not each kid would be making one. That would be insane. And then it'd be that thing of exhaustion where you spend all this time building it. And then it's like, oh, now we can finally play the game. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm so tired from building this thing. I don't even want to play the games mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to do the interactions. Mm -hmm. But an after-school club, yes. I think, to answer your question, Blob, I think... That in after school extracurricular activity, you know, some sort of like a STEM club or an engineering club or a, a Nintendo Labo club, after school would be the perfect setting for this. You have 10 kids maybe that are really, you know, engineer minded mm -hmm. and maybe some that aren't that get into it because of the club. You know, so the first couple weeks of the club, we meet once a week and we, we do all the building. We're going to build this out of the cardboard. We get that done. And then the second half of the club is using those yeah, it's the application. creations. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be great. Yeah. It would be great in schools. Yeah. Any sort of hands-on activity, anytime you can take technology and make it more hands-on yes. is major. Yeah. Because it's easy to just get a new program and put the kids on the computer and mm -hmm. have them work through it. But to combine the real world, like physically using your hands and doing kinesthetic learning mm -hmm. and then combining that with the digital software, that's like the match that makes the most sense. Because then it's not just, oh, they sat on the computer and played a game. Right. And interacted with digital objects, making it real, and then combining that with the software is huge. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely, kids would love it. Mm -hmm. They'd go crazy. Yeah. Certain kids would love it. <laughs> that's fair. That. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, definitely an after-school activity for yeah. sure, or a club. Well, that's going to do it. That's it. Wow. We, we've gone through many a thing. Mm -hmm. Many a thing. Many a learning happening mm -hmm. thanks to video games here today on Digitally Distracted. And if you want to interact with us a bit more like a Nintendo Labo kit would interact with the Switch, you can always leave a comment on this video version. You can also listen to the show. It is an audio podcast. For those of you who keep asking me, it's been one for quite a while. Make sure you check it out. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, everything out there. It's pretty much available for you to listen to it 
And you can also leave a comment on a lot of those platforms as well, mostly Podbean. The Podbean comments is where I'll catch them the most because that's our main host. Mm. Thanks, Podbean. Appreciate you. Uh, well, it's not like they did it for free. I got to pay for it. <laughs> I got to pay for it. You can also send me a topic or question through Twitter using the hashtag digitally distracted. It'll make it easy to see. That's how I found the blobs question mm-hmm. today or a blobs question. You can also join the Discord. You can support the show on Patreon. There's so many things you can do. You can send things to the P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1695, Dover, Delaware. There's a lot of interaction with us. 19903, so much. Look at that. And we're not even cardboard cutouts. No. Real people, real humans on your flat screen that you're looking at right now. So, thanks for getting digitally distracted with us. I am Game Dave. I'm Gerald. We'll see you on the next one.